What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Meeting Up Podcast, your podcast where we talk about your favorite directors and the deeper meaning within their films. This is our very special 2023 season finale, making it with our top 10 list of 2022. It is late, but we did it. We are back making our top 10 list. We might be the latest top 10 list of anyone you know, <laughs> but we are still doing it. I'm so excited because I am here with both RB3 and Sabrina in the house. How are you guys feeling today? Good, feeling good. Happy to be here. So what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to talk about, obviously, our top 10 films of 2022. The way we're going to do it is we're going to go 10 through 6 from each one of us, and then we're going to go 5 to 2 and eventually get to our number 1. But first things first, we're going to get to th 10 through 6, and then talk about the films that we might have in common, films that we may disagree on. But either way, get those five out of the way first and make sure we get to discuss it. It has been a very, very interesting year for film in 2022. I have openly said, and I will openly admit, that I have not seen a lot of movies this year, <laughs> kind of on purpose. I've kind of skipped a few that really haven't caught my eye, whereas before... I would kind of force myself to go watch these movies. Now I'm kind of picking and choosing the ones I really want to go see. But either way, I want to start off with my 10 through 6. So here are my top 10 films of 2022, starting with 10 through 6. At number 10, I have Netflix's animated film, Enter Galactic. At number 9, I have Netflix's other film, Emily the Criminal, starring Aubrey Plaza. At number eight, I have another Netflix one called Glass Onion, starring Daniel Craig and Ryan Johnson. At number seven, I have The Woman King. At number six, I have Decision to Leave. RB3, what is your 10 through six? Well, yeah, I mean, we're kicking off with the same number 10, it looks like. Also, Netflix film Intergalactic, Kay Cuddy, King of Barris, really fun, beautiful animated film right there. Number nine is uh, another one that we have in common, Decision to Leave, the new film from Park Chan-woo. My number eight is The Woman King as well, starring Viola Davis, directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. My number seven is Breaking, starring Jean Boyega, really beautiful uh, emotional tale uh, about veteran. And number six is Barbarian. That's the uh, horror film that came out a little bit earlier this year. So those are my five, uh, six to 10. Hell yeah. Barbarian making the list. <laughs> my 10 through, what are we doing? 10 through six? 10 through six. 10 through six. Number 10, I have Wakanda Forever. Number nine, I have X. Number eight, I have RB3's favorite film of all time, Tar. I have Nope at number seven and then Pearl at number six. Wow. I feel like yours is by far the most different, Sabrina. Uh, specifically with certain movies in there that I don't think I've, I haven't seen X, full disclosure. You also mentioned Tar, which I haven't seen. And then what was your number six? Pearl. Pearl, another one that I haven't seen. So talk to me about those movies, the X and Pearl movies, because they're the same creator, right? Yeah. So T West or Ty West. Um, with these films, first of all, I think after seeing X in theaters, the second it ended on the trailer for Pearl, I could not have been more hyped. And of course, spoiler alert, 
Pearl ends with a trailer for Maxine, which is coming out soon. But the fact that he was able to do these two films that are so unique, but so intertwined at the same time back to back is just insane to me. I feel like the dichotomy between Pearl and Maxine in um, in X is really expanded upon in Pearl. And you understand so much more of the different facets of what it's like to be super repressed as a woman a woman that's like exploring her sexuality or is, you know, for lack of a better word, like super horny in a different time period where that is not okay. And that's not happening. And I mean, they are not great people. Pearl is an absolutely terrible person. This is in no way a defense of that, but it's that exploration that I find to be fascinating. Interesting. And they both have those similar themes crossing between each movie. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That's why I'm excited to see Maxine and to see how her character is uh, introduced in that different light. Um, Because, yeah, again, spoiler alert. The one I've seen most of is Mia Goth being um, praised for her performance. And then the one scene that became viral on TikTok and on Twitter, (laughs) which is Emma Stone, Emma Star, Um, which is where she's saying I'm a star over and over again, which I actually kind of feel bad for her in that moment. I don't know. it's out of context. I haven't seen the movie, but it kind of makes you feel bad. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's the thing that's interesting about it is I think a good villain character, especially if your villain is your protagonist, again, I mean, like we're talking tar, um, but with something like that, they have to have redeemable qualities where we can understand where they're coming from. I don't agree with anything that she's doing or her way of going about things at all. Um, But it is that idea of repression, especially at a time like I think Pearl takes place in like the 1930s or 40s or something like that. And then um, X is in the 70s. And it shows that kind of shift that happens, but how much at the same time, even though women do have that sexual freedom jumping over from that decade to then the 1970s, at the same time, like at what point are you exploited? And when is it your choice or it just seems like something that you kind of have to do to make your way in the world? So I know I'm looking into these films so deeply, but I think having the choice of Mia Goth playing both characters literally shows that like they are two sides of the same coin. Mm. Interesting. And it's and interesting too. Scorsese, oh, sorry. I was going to say Scorsese agrees with you. He said Ty West is one of the generational filmmakers of, uh, wow. of, uh, of this year. Did he so. actually? Yeah. Yeah. Scorsese. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. To- uh, RB3, you had a tar review on our channel. <laughs> I saw that review yeah. and was blown away. I was like, damn, what is this movie? It's apparently considered to be one of the most uh, one of the best movies of the year uh, when it comes to critical reception and when it comes to award praise. Uh, Sabrina, what did you uh, like about it? I think the thing about Tar With Me, and I know we've actually discussed this on previous episodes when we we're talking about the idea of the theater and older art forms kind of being more elitist. I think they really showed that in a film like Tar. Of course, we're talking about classical music. It's like, how can you get any more elitist than this? This is something that has existed for so damn long and is completely stuck in its own ways. And it is super pretentious. And I think that's the film is what like Lydia Tar is. It's suspenseful, it's atmospheric. I think from the cinematography to the sound design, I think it is a really great technical feat just in general. And of course, Kate Blanchett could do no wrong in my eyes. She's not my personal Oscar winner for this year, but she is damn well deserving of that nomination. RB3, 
we had a few movies in common. I know we had the same number 10, which I thought was kind of funny. Speaking of, uh, he's in uh, Kid Cudi's in one of those Thai West movies, right? X, yeah. Yeah, he's in yeah, X. Yeah. Shout out, he's Kid been, Cudi. He's in two movies. He's been, no, he's, he's been having a stellar year. I mean, he should have been in three movies because uh, House Party should have came out last year. But he, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it just came out, which he was also amazing in, if you haven't so, seen House Party yet. So we both had The Woman King. We both had Decision to Leave. We both had... Uh, what else do we have? Intergalactic. Yeah. So those are three that we have in common. Uh, give me yeah. your other ones besides those three. Um, yeah, I also had so yeah my yeah my number ten was intergalactic. Number nine was decision to leave. Uh, you know I I personally felt like really good uh, Hitchcock homage. Uh, you know second really I feel like the second major movie like in my list that had not on my list but in my like list slash honorable mentions that had a lot of Hitchcock references. You know, I, I personally love Kimmy this year, but that's more in the honorable mention section. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, Decision to Leave, The Woman King was number eight. And then number seven was Breaking, which was uh, directed by Abby Demoris um, Carbon, Carbon. And this was uh, starring John Boyega. He's playing like a veteran who's oh, going yeah. through a psychological breakdown. Yeah, I robbing saw a bank. Um, it's a truly, truly heartbreaking movie, emotionally um, gut-wrenching. As one of, I, I think it's... John Boyega's best performance um, all around. Uh, and it really goes to show you, you know, the discredit um, of like veterans and veterans groups and things of that nature. It's Michael K. Williams' last performance ever too. So that also gives it a little bit of a, uh, of a special mark on it too. Um, originally, Jonathan Majors was supposed to play the main character, um, but he actually got swept to May at the very last second for a Marvel movie. So um, if you actually watch Breaking, they actually have a little like, dig they have a little x-men joke a little x-men dig and 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 one part of the script so i feel like that was like the producer's way of like kind of getting back to towards that but yeah that was my number seven and then my number six was barbarian yeah. this is uh the horror movie directed by zach Kreger. this literally came out on a four million dollar budget made 45 million dollars um domestically and i think it's it's a it's a it's a poor film that's a crowd pleaser but that's also funny, but that's all that plays with a lot of different tones and could have easily just gone messy and could have just been like one thing, but it was decisively not just one thing. It, it made it, it, it found a unique way to tell the story and a unique way to pace out the story to like, you kept being on the edge while still having, um, still having fun with it. So yeah. And there was also another layer of like self-referential Hollywood, um, in this and barbarian too, without spoiling too much. So I really appreciated, uh, this movie. This was quite a year for horror, huh? In 2022, there's been a lot of horror movies on on your list, Sabrina. On your list, RB3. Uh, there might be one or two on mine. Uh, but either way, uh, qu quite a year for horror. I feel like horror, the idea of elevated horror is becoming less and less like a a, um, a separate thing, right? It's separate genre. And, and it's in the conversation as far as becoming a more and more beyond elevated an elevated elevated <laughs> or if that's possible where like maybe the following years we might get a retrospective analysis on Lupita Nyong'o's performance in us on Tony Collette's performance in Hereditary on in my opinion Florence Pugh's performance in Midsommar and then obviously Mia Goth in her films but either way shout out to horror in 2022 I feel like it really really stood out this year yeah, I mean, on that with something like Barbarian, which I am honestly upset that I forgot to put it on my list. I was going through all the movies that I've seen, but of course, a few fall through the cracks. I feel like that honestly could have taken the number 10 spot for me. 
Um, but yeah, even with that, like it's that subgenre of horror, whereas X is like definitely just like straight up grindhouse texas chainsaw massacre mixed with like a few other different ideas and of course those very complicated themes which kind of tend to then you know bring it into that elevated horror conversation barbarian is such a good horror comedy i have never been so terrified and laughing like at the same time like it it felt wrong but it made so much sense um with that one shout out to the special character that shows up halfway through the film because damn yeah, I mean, show up. Yeah, I mean, shout out if again, you don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, but I think there's definitely, they also introduce, there's the thing that there's a moment that gets back to like an 80s kind of flashback and barbarian, um, like almost halfway through the movie, and it's shot with this like very stylistic, like short lens, like kind of a uh, way of the camera staying pretty far from the stuff. It was like such a really creepy way to introduce the subject and really make it scary and stylistic but without actually showing that much gore or horror and that's also why i appreciate it too it doesn't like it's not like an over-the-top horror movie it was like really smartly like skillfully done and you could tell that it was you know a passion project so um but i was gonna ask you undress what so i know why i like intergalactic i love k cuddy i love animated films um king of barris is obviously a creator i like but what what got you on the intergalactic uh wave bro <laughs> We're, we're playing this card right now. <laughs> I'm just I'm curious. I didn't expect no, that. I, I've been on the cutting train since I think before you were born, bro. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's like 2006, 2000. I don't know how, where were you in 2006 or seven. Bro? I was listening to cutting in 2006 when, when he was doing the mixtapes and all that. You remember those? Yeah. Um. Yeah. He used to release mixtapes and singles before he did Man on the Moon, like way before he did Man on the Moon, like in 06, 07. Uh, and then 08, obviously, but, uh, I love Cuddy, bro. I've loved Cuddy for years and, and I definitely wanted to check out this movie. I also love, and I think I've said this to you guys a few times and I think y'all ignore me, but I think she's a treasure. I think Jessica Williams is a treasure and I've loved her obviously since her time on the daily show. But even after that, I've always said, I felt like she's one of the best voices that we have of this generation, my generation, because that's mainly what she's about, but I love Jessica Williams. So when I found out about this film, I've always been planning to see it. I was just late on it. I just pushed everything to December and early January, but I was always meaning to see intergalactic. And then obviously finding out that it's a, it's a cutty musical about a modern romance inside of new york city i was just like dude i mean i loved it by the way i feel like timothy chalamet he just can't stay off of our list anymore yeah he timothy found, chalamet, a way, bro. found a way to sneak in on both of our lists with intergalactic that's crazy i don't know how that happened but even on the down year he still found a way to get on our our top 10 list um and i'm oh, sorry i was gonna say yeah was, go ahead i was gonna say real quick too uh the woman king the woman didn't king. get any oscar nominations yeah. um it, to me is one of my favorites of the year and i think it definitely should have gotten a lot more love i think to me i i i personally you know as much as i love like the first black panther and as much as i love a lot of well, as much as i love the first black panther the action wasn't like necessarily like the most um war centric that i thought it could be but i feel like what the they did and um the woman king was like such a good representation of like what an actual war movie like that kind of like kind of vibe could, could look for what i thought was gonna get in the first black panther movie which i'm still glad what we got but also too viola davis performance was all around um great lashana lynch as well LaShana um lynch. was was amazing in that she movie. was the best part yeah he was the best part and then um 
I mean, all the all, all of the performances were just oh. all around like um, were just all around next level. So shout out to Gina Prince by the word again. She watched one of our videos way back when. I don't know if she's still watching. That's now, right, she, she did. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out. If she's still that's, watching, you know, the woman. That's the best. Her. That's the best thing we've done, bro. We've got a few, right? We've got a. <laughs> we, we got her. We got Gina. Who else did we get? Mm-hmm. We got the director of the half of it. She gave yeah. us a quick shout out. She yeah. did. That's right. Uh, That's right. We had JJ Bayona. Uh, he liked the tweet. He liked the tweet. I'll, yeah. I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like he watched it. I feel like he watched it. I feel like he watched it. He probably did. <laughs> yeah. What? I, I feel like that's it. But still, I feel like yeah. Gina, Gina, Gina might be the best one. That oh, be- J- Judd Apatow commented on Kay's post when he clipped out uh, a clip from from his episode. So okay. So we'll yeah. take it. I don't think Hell it was yeah. the whole episode just to clip that Kay posted, but yeah. <laughs> but either way, I feel like Gina to me is still my. That's the biggest one where she gave you a yeah. shout out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take credit. Yeah, <laughs> but shout out to the Women King. I loved it. I thought it was great. I felt I feel like it was a perfect, epic movie, epic film. Uh, Lashana Lynch just stole the film for me. She was incredible. So much personality, so much charisma and power in presence on screen. As well as another shout out to Finn, my boy John Boyega, being the king. Uh, I feel like he had so many iconic lines in that movie, uh, and he would just like be. Tra- Did you see the Woman King, Sabrina? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah. I was just going to say, I haven't seen The Woman King or yeah. Decision to Leave. Those are two on the top of my list up next. But he would come out in these robes and he has like 20 wives. And he'd yeah. be like, let me go talk to my wives. And he would have his African accent. <laughs> I can't do an African accent. Mm. <laughs> and he would just like sit in a council of like beautiful women. <laughs> yeah. And he'd be talking to Viola Davis. He's like, I want you to rule the kingdom. And she's like, yeah. I don't want to marry you. You have like 20 wives. And he's yeah. like, no, I- <laughs> I don't want you to marry me, duh. Like, hey, hey, hey. Nah, it's just a, it's a dope movie, man. I just think he had a blast doing that movie. Like, yeah, he was so yeah. insane in that movie. I loved it. I absolutely. That makes loved me happy because, like, he yeah. deserves it. Like, he is such a phenomenal actor. I'm excited to see him in more things. He was cool. in two of uh, two of yours. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, good breaking. Exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, no, literally, yeah. and I, I, I do think like breaking is such a good performance. It went so underseen and then have a lot of marketing. But I will say, um, they have a. I think Britney did a great interview with the director and the writer of this movie on Geeks of Color's YouTube channel. So be sure oh, to check that out if y'all haven't uh, seen those interviews because they they also break down a lot of the deeper themes and stuff behind uh, the breaking film. So let's get to our number five. So what we're going to do from number five is we're all going to go around the circle with our number fives. And I'll start off with my number five, which is probably the most controversial one of my entire list already starting off with the controversy because at my number five i have a beautiful film that everyone loves that everyone might have at their number one but i have my number five and i'm sorry but i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be real and that's everything everywhere all at once is at my number five a movie that i really 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 loved really enjoyed and that's why it made my top five michelle yo is incredible stephanie shu to me i've said i said it in our review but i really do feel like she elevated that film she stole that film with the amount that she had to carry when it comes to the personalities when it comes to the emotional burden she had the pressure of her parents the relationships that weren't approved by her family all that kind of cultural aspect as well great film really unique and that is why it's at my number five rb3 what's your number five 
Uh, wow, that's deep. I mean, my number five is something you touched on, Andres, and I knew we were going to talk talk about it later. Uh, Glass Onion, uh, a Knives Out mystery. Um, this is such a fun movie. You know, we're the Ryan Johnson fan club around here in First Cut, so um, definitely, definitely fun. I think this was self. I love the fact that it was like you know self referential to like celebrity culture. Like they had the um, Jeremy Renner hot sauce, and they had like Jared um, Leto. Jared Leto, Leto kombucha. He, yeah, kombucha. <laughs> yeah, just all these like little celebrity references that are just funny. Um, all, all the acting was great. Uh, Edward Norton, uh, even like my mom wasn't even like really into the movie. Like, I put it on on Netflix at home, but then, um, when Edward Norton was starting to go on his little like uh, distorters or di- disruptors monologue, even she like looked up and was like, Oh, who is that? He, I haven't seen him in a minute. Like, so I, I think that's really you know, it's a testament to how well directed everybody, everybody was, how well written the movie is, and yeah. We're going to talk about Glass Hanging, I'm sure, later on. So uh, that's my number five. Sabrina. My number five is Cha-Cha Real Smooth, directed and written by Cooper Rafe. Um, I believe it's on like Hulu or something. So if you haven't seen it, highly recommend. Of course, this is a very like small, quiet, uh, kind of almost like adult coming of age story. Cooper Rafe is my age, which when I see somebody my age accomplish something like this, I'm like, damn, now I have to get up and like go do something. Um, but I know that this is his second film. He had like shit house like a year and a half ago or two years ago. And now he has like another upcoming film, uh, about like this, like crazy ass hockey team. But with this one, I think genuinely the performances are so, so special in this film. I think from his even going from a film like Shithouse to this, I feel like he's playing almost like a different version of himself, but it works so, so well. Like it's not something that like takes you out of the film at all. Kind of like, almost like when I saw Bros with Billy Eichner, like I'm like, that's just Billy Eichner, but it could kind of work. But I think even with something like Cooper Rafe, it just feels very authentic to him. And I think that's what makes this particular thing special. And I think Dakota Johnson has probably the best performance of her entire career in this film with him. Um, It is so sweet, so heartwarming, heartbreaking, and honestly, extremely relatable for any single person who's been in their early 20s. (laughs) Yeah, this is the one that came out on Sundance of last year, right? And I believe it's about a homie doing bar mitzvahs, and he falls in love with Dakota Johnson. Am I tripping? (laughs) Yes. So yeah, that's kind of like easy way of saying it. It's almost like he's at this uh, in-between point of his life. And then he finds out like, oh, I make people have a lot of fun at parties because he gets invited to a bar mitzvah and, you know, everyone's having a really good time. So he's like, oh, I could get paid for this. So then he starts getting paid to be like the DJ and just dealing with a bunch of other stuff that like life throws at him um, throughout the journey of finding himself too. Dang. He's literally, he was born in 97, bro. That's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's that's too much, man. That's that's too much. Uh, shout out to Dakota Johnson, Madam Web. Uh, yeah. That is my Madam Web. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is so hyped for that movie. Uh, I'm just I'm just playing. But either way, Dakota Johnson is actually a really good actress. So shout out to her. But I feel like for the most part, all our our choices are pretty good. I'm not sure if Glass Onion's going to come up again. Um, so I don't know if, oh, well, talk about it. if it does, if it doesn't come up again. Okay. Well, if it doesn't come up again, I do just want to shout out Janelle Monet. Um, and I just want to shout out poker face, the new, uh, Peacock show. I am a loving, yes. loving, oh, yeah, yeah, loving yeah, yeah. this series of starting, uh, Natasha Leone. Yeah. Um, yeah, she this is literally such, Brian such Johnson, a bro. 
Yeah, Ryan Johnson's back at it, man. He just he doesn't know how to miss, and he just keeps back he just back. keeps capping him at the dome. So I, I think <laughs> it's uh, I just think he's yeah, and we obviously we've done multiple reviews of the of it on the channel and yeah stuff. So you know, there's been a lot of films I feel like done on capitalism, on ultra wealthy, on rich people. It's interesting because I chose a film earlier on, which was my number nine. I don't know if uh, if I said too much about it, which was Emily the Criminal, which is oh, about yeah. uh, Aubrey Plaza's character who basically has done one one crime in her life but can't get a job can't get anywhere in life so she's kind of stuck in the system that capitalism has built uh and it's very it's a very very la film it's one of the most la films i've ever seen as, as someone who's lived in la for like eight years where it's like you get a shitty job you you try to get a job at a, at a company that's more inside your field you try and fail you have to be an assistant you pass out coffees to people without getting paid and then you do all of all these other jobs while meeting people from different backgrounds and different cultures it's very interesting and unique i, I recommend it it's a super short movie that you can watch on netflix so uh shout out to that one and glass onion obviously i was kind of going off that because glass onion to me i wrote about it on geeks of color you can check out my review on there um but i talk about how it's also a kind of teardown of the capitalistic stretchers, the ultra wealthy, the billionaires, and kind of the idea of what they are versus what they actually are. Uh, and it was so timely watching this movie in theaters. I don't know if you guys saw it in theaters. Like I did, I saw it, like, I think right when it came out. And seeing it in theaters right when it was like two weeks after Elon bought Twitter <laughs> or like a week. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, this is, this is the Elon movie. <laughs> Uh, it yeah. was so timely, man. I swear, that's that, it's a great movie. I put it at my uh, number eight, I believe. Yeah, so, it's just. I, uh, I was just gonna say it's just like we said in our review. Um, it's like the first glad the first knives out was uh, about old money, and this new one is about new money. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. the very uh, distinct difference there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, it's like Ryan Johnson can see the future too. He's like, hey, this is gonna be. It, it also is kind of sad that I feel like it would be a timely topic almost at any given time. There's always gonna be someone coming into the news that you know is very reminiscent of Edward Norton's character in that film. But it's funny that you mentioned that because even with something like the menu, Triangle of Sadness, of course, mm -hmm. Glass Onion, uh, even White Lotus, I know deals with that a little bit too here and there. We saw a lot of that those like themes throughout this year. And I feel like that's going to be the biggest theme, if I'm being real, coming up in the in future content. Um, there is Succession, obviously, because that show is coming out again. RB3 and I, we freaking love that show. Um, so Succession's new season. I believe the uh, Noah Hawley Alien show is also about basically that company uh, that Alien is based on. It's just about the company. And it's just about them being evil and stepping on poor people. Um, and it's literally barely about aliens, but that's kind of what aliens was about anyways, or alien, the first movie was. So I feel like that theme is going to keep coming up and up and up because of the world we're living in. <laughs> this yeah. is literally the world we live in now. And the more people kind of realize and they, the more they open their eyes, the more they see that, wait a minute, this is insane. Um, so shout out to the creators who are doing it. Hopefully it actually does something and it gets somewhere, but so far, we can at least enjoy it, enjoy it for what it is. But let's get to our top four. I'm starting with my number four. My number four film is a, another foreign film. I have quite a few foreign films on my list. But this is Argentina 1985, a film that I saw on Prime. Shout out to RV3 for Prime. 
And I love this movie. Obviously, I saw it in Spanish. I got to enjoy it in Spanish. A really interesting, interesting film about South American politics on a very specific angle, which is the Argentinian angle, which is something that a lot of people know a little bit about Argentinian history because of their connection to World War II, because of, you know, if you've seen X-Men First Class, you see that that starts in Argentina. Back during that time, the 50s in Argentina was very lenient towards the Nazis. Uh, so they had a very difficult time with the militaristic government and the people who were trying to topple that on a political angle and on a justice angle was super difficult because they had a civil war and an internal war that kind of led to a new government. And what they wanted to do was prosecute the biggest uh, criminals inside the military, which were torturers, rapists, basically your military monsters. And that's what essentially the movie's all about. It's about opening a new chapter into democracy in Argentina and moving away from a military dictatorship. So I really enjoyed it and I highly recommend it. RB3. Wow. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, yeah, we we got to talk more about that. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't seen that movie, so I, I love to get to dig into that. Um, I also have a foreign film as my number four, too, though. Um, much different, much different tone and direction, though. Um, this is... The most expensive Indian film ever made to date. And you can see and feel every dollar on screen. That's what I'm talking about. R R R. Um, this is a uh, you know, using music, action, comedy, and just like just overall craziness. It, it tells the story of like independence, liberation, um, overcoming oppression, but uh from like the British government, while also at the same time being invigorating and just like playing into like that childish not childish but almost like that dream like uh nostalgic feeling of like cinema that i feel like i i had as a child like the stuff that makes me almost like love film like everything from the the cinematography the sweeping camera movements the the action and the acting being just a little hair over the top but like playing into that uh into that uh to the whole sediment and just um yeah, I mean, every scene, every scene was breathtaking. If you're invested in the first, if you literally just watch the first 10 minutes of this movie, you're sucked in for like the rest of it. This is one movie that everybody recommended me to me earlier in the year. And I just like slept on and slept on and slept on it until like very, very recently. But I, yeah, I, I see the hype for RRR is worth the hype. And I'm, um, I'm excited to have it like on this list. Nice. Sabrina. That's awesome. I got to check that one out still. Uh, my number four is The Banshees of Sharon, directed by Martin McDonough. Um, I absolutely love this film from the second I ended it or the second I started it to when it ended. I was like, I need to watch this again immediately. And I did literally the next day. I think it's a very, of course, it's like a slow watch with something like this. It's very quiet. Um, they're, they're on this like island in Ireland. Um, and I didn't realize it was a period piece for like the longest time, probably like 30 minutes into the film. And then they mentioned like the war and I was like, oh, this takes place a long time ago. Like, I'm like, I don't know. They look like cozy, like their outfits aren't super distinctive of a different time. But besides that, I think this is McDonough's magnum opus, 100% my favorite film that he's ever done. I think the performances all around are 
absolutely breathtaking. Every single person, Carrie Condon, Barry Keegan, who, when he shows up in a little like film, like, you know, he's about to just be like a menace. He is about to just like cause a little bit of chaos here and there, whether it's killing of a sacred deer to this one. I absolutely love to see him on screen because his energy is so unique. Um, but with this, the exploration of life, friendship, so many other things that aren't thrown in your face at all. There are some of the most heartbreaking lines of dialogue I've heard in a film all year, just kind of scattered throughout so casually within this. It's not some earth shattering moment where everything pauses and somebody says something profound. It's little things here or there, even Colin Farrell uh, turning to Brendan Gleeson and saying like, you used to be nice or like, were you never? And he goes on this entire monologue of like, my sister's nice and people remember her. This person's nice. I remember him uh, because of course their friendship is crumbling. And Brendan Gleeson is mentioning how he wants to focus on art, that people will remember art. People will remember this and you live on through all of that. And then um, Colin Farrell saying like, at the same time, all of that is true, but it's also the impact that you have on the people around you that allows you to also live a long fulfilling life and it's just so heartbreaking and hilarious at the same time the first 10 minutes of the film which I don't know I know RB3's seen it have you seen it Andres with without spoiling but for the first 10 minutes Colin Farrell is like totally clueless he's trying to hang out with his friend his his friend keeps like sliding him he's like what the hell is going on just the little things that Colin Farrell does with his face, the way his eyebrows are moving in this ridiculous way that I feel like most of us can't even do. It is just so perfect for this performance. Uh, he is just taking L after L and yeah, I love it so much. Interesting. Uh, I'm definitely curious to check it out. I know RB3 is no fan of this film. <laughs> yeah, I actually am not. Um, but I mean, you know, I, but I'm, I'm glad you are, Sabrina. I, I, you know, I'm happy for you. I, I, I mean, this is funny because, like, I really do love um, Martin McDowell's, like, work a lot. You know what I mean? Like, um, and Bruges is one of my favorites. Seven Psychopaths is literally on my sacred wall of Blu-rays right here. And um, and Three Billboards, even though, you know, it got the white people saying the N-word. I actually really love that movie, too. Um, that was that's that to me. That's to me. That that to me is the one I consider the magnum opus of him personally, because uh, oh. but I mean, just because I mean, again, but what you're saying is probably more of what you might consider his magnum opus because it's Ireland. It's like dealing with period pieces. I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm not Irish. Maybe I don't speak my language uh, or maybe I'm just like, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't my personal cup of tea, but I can see why I can see why I can see why. Like, I think like, I mean, it is like, it is a funny watch. Like when they get to certain parts where certain things are burning down and you know, like just, it is a fun, it does get to a funny point. I just, yeah, I think it went a little bit over my head maybe, but I'm I'm really glad that you you like it, Sabrina. <laughs> no, I love that, honestly, because that's the same thing I, I can totally see. And I put off watching this for a really long time. I, I am shocked that this was a film that I loved as much as I did because I really just thought it was going to be like slow, even though it was McDonough. And I know that's not like necessarily his thing. All the marketing, not to say it was bad at all or anything like that. I just feel like it didn't convey how much of a good time it was going to be, at least for myself. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of films. Again, I've already talked about awards seasons, awards contention. This is definitely at the top along with Tar because you mentioned Tar beforehand. There's a couple that we might have mentioned that sh- that I feel like could have been in there, should have been in there. I know RRR has been getting a lot of love. I haven't seen it. Uh, but they have been mentioned for awards and stuff like that. 
But when it comes to Banshees, it's it's interesting because Martin Martin is he's low key kind of beloved in in my opinion by the Academy. Um, yeah. The amount of love the three billboards got, you know, my opinions on that oh, movie, yeah. RBG. Yeah, you don't like three billboards at all. <laughs> I was like, why is this movie getting so much love? Yeah. Which uh, I, I love it. You, you, you talked me out of not seeing that movie for months, and I was like, nah, I'm not gonna see this after <laughs> this movie. And literally, I saw it, and I'm like, literally weeping at them. I'm like, God damn, man, what the freak? Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, no, I feel you. Though. I feel you. He is definitely beloved. I think, I think that's why you know, I think that's why getting love. It's getting the love, and I, 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 yeah. I think it's. It also, it's like you said, Sabrina. I think it's so technically well done, too. Like it's setting that period piece, um, all the acting. You know where, whereas I think you could look at something like Three Billboards and say, oh, it's a great movie, but this character didn't work for me, or that character didn't work for me, or you know, you could look at Seven Psychopaths and say it's a little scattered shot and all over the place. I think this is the most like straightforward and most like narrative, like satisfying of his movies for sure. And I think that's why also too, it's like getting a lot of success. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, you know, everybody got their, t- their cup of teas, you know? So. That's it. Like your favorite line now, RB3 is cup of yeah, teas. Cup of teas, man. We just all <laughs> sipping, you know, Spike Lee. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our number threes. Uh, I'll start with my number three. Cause it's going to be quick. Cause I don't think anyone in the world has seen this movie. <laughs> it's another Ford film. Uh, I, I gotta stay on brand, bro. I gotta stay on brand with my Japanese anime. Uh, shout out to Inuo, Inuo, which is a Japanese anime film by director. Ooh, I'm gonna butcher his name, Masaki Yusasa, who has done quite a few films in the past. But this is done by Science Saru, which is an animation studio that a lot of people, if you watch a lot of anime, are familiar with. And JK Kids or J Kids. Uh, which is another company that a lot of people are familiar with. But this is about 14th century Japan, a musician who wants to be a rock star who meets these friends along the way and this journey about this friendship. It's really cool, original, unique. The animation style is kind of what makes the film. But if you're really, really into animation like I am, you will appreciate it. Uh, So that is why it is my number three. RB3, you're number three. Um, my number three. Oh, sorry, I didn't know it was coming to me this fast. Okay, my number three. Um, I got whew, you're talking about the most expensive Indian movie of all time. I gotta transition over to the most expensive American movie of all time. And that's right, I gotta shout out the king of sequels himself. Listen, man, how many times have I said it? there's only one JC in Hollywood? It's not Jesus Christ, it's James Cameron. That's right, I gotta shout out my movie Avatar Way of the Water as uh, my number three movie of the year. As Danny Fernandez quoted Billy Zane saying at the premiere, this is a James Cameron wet dream all the way through and through. Uh, you know, we got the Titan, we got elements of the first Avatar, we got elements of Titanic, we got elements of the abyss, all the water in the world. Um, the fact that it also popularized the whole Dolby Vision, Dolby 3D, making that a lot more like mainstream with the 3D glasses, really brought the roller coaster experience to, to every cinema uh, across America with, I feel like, an epic, emotionally sweeping telling story of that involves nature, that involves water, that involves, you know, uh, again, like same things you know, we know, we, we talk about in, in a lot of these movies, you know, fighting against the man, fighting against the oppression. And um, so, yeah, I got my Geeks of Color review on, on uh, if you want to read more of my thoughts there, more detailed. I also had a great conversation with the visual effects team where they broke down, like, all of the technical stuff that they did, how much usage of, like, animatronics, how much um, 
technology, like deep learning technology they developed, like for the making of this movie. It was just all around uh, to deliver a truly epic movie. Like, I feel like this is one of the, in the theaters, like I wish I would have saw RR in theaters because I feel like that would have also given me that same epic sweeping feeling. But in terms of epicness, this was the movie right here for the year. Before I get to you, Sabrina, I got to be so honest. I completely forgot about Avatar The Way of Water, RB3. I'm so sorry. Wow. Uh, this would 100% be near my top three as well. Uh, mm. So at least I'm different in the sense that I want to give a shout out to a Japanese anime <laughs> film that probably no one's going to watch, but maybe you should watch. But shout out to The Way of Water. Uh, it probably is <laughs> also in my top three or four. Uh, so that's a good choice, man. I love it. Uh, Sabrina, you're number three. I am an Avatar hater, but yeah. you know what? That's just me. That's just me. <laughs> hey, even um, after Way of you. Water? Damn, Okay, bro. so Way I haven't water? seen Way of Water. Okay. Um, Because honestly, and you know, I love, I, I can deal with a long film. Like I'm so happy to sit in a theater for as long as like the film is getting me. And I think that's a conversation that I'm going to have with one of my honorable mentions too. But like sometimes when something's as long as it is, like wrap it up. So I think that's why I just haven't seen it. Isn't it like three hours? It is, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, it's like, a brisk three hours it's though. It's like three, it's like three, now it's like three. It's like three ten, right? Yeah, it's like three fourteen oh or something like 314, that. Three fourteen, yeah. three fifteen, yeah. I think three I think three twelve, three twelve, three twelve, yeah. You guys yeah. stay through the whole credits, though. I don't stay through the credits. Like as soon as the weekend <laughs> start playing, I'm out. So <laughs> That's too good. Yeah, I think with with one like that, um, because I never really cared for the first film at all, and I have had rewatches of it. I just haven't seen this one, but I do. I will check it out. So I will update you guys eventually when I do see it. We'll see if I'm still an Avatar hater. But for my number three, I have Timothy Chalamet making the list once again. I have Luca's Bones and All. Uh, so second time with him working with Timothy Chalamet. Uh, this is a cannibal coming of age road trip romance film dealing with all of these weird uh kind of like subgenres blended together but he injects his like unique direction into every single facet of this film to me um i know that this is adapted from a book so again similarly to something like call me by your name he really does do it justice though i actually just finished reading the book so i did see oh, the right. film first mm -hmm. so it both really fantastic um but in my opinion the film dives into something deeper. Luca is able to just like unearth so many different things. It doesn't matter if he's dealing with like landscape, which like in this film, um, the landscape definitely like mirrors, you know, how the people, the characters that we're dealing with in this film, like how they are. It's like very bleak. It's very vast. Like it's, it's empty and it, it's, it's going through it basically. Like it doesn't look as gorgeous and bountiful as something like Call Me By Your Name. It's almost like the exact opposite. So with this one, I think all of the different elements of horror and romance and everything come together so wonderfully. And I think it's because of his intricate storytelling and like Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet, their chemistry was through the roof. It's like one of those Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper things where it's like, it is electric. Like you are feeling it off of the screen. Um, and I think even the way Luca highlights the human body in a sensual way that is gross which I love, you know, I'm a fan of horror. I'm a fan of body horror. Uh, recently saw infinity pool, Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son film. Oh, yeah. That one's a different story. <laughs> that one's
one's a different story, but I do love a good body horror. And this is definitely it. Of course, again, you're dealing with cannibals, but the circumstances of the cannibalism are very interesting. And I think that highlights being an outsider in a world where you feel like you don't belong and you have no place to call home, no people to come back to. And yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I, I haven't seen the film, but damn, man, he, he hanged out with uh, Army Hammer for a little too long. Decided to make a cannibal movie. Got <laughs> to eat. Yeah, he's like, yo, Timothy Chalamet, Army Hammer, cannibalism. Let's do it without like, Army wait. Hammer. Wait, he saw the headlines. He was like, wait, I'm onto something really quick. Let me find. <laughs> Let's get this book on. Yeah, that's. Have yeah. you seen this one? I haven't seen it either. Okay. Uh, I've been looking forward to it. I have. I do enjoy Quan by your name, and I love. Um, you know, I love Come by Your Name. I also love the Suspiria remake as well. We've, we've talked Guadalina. about it yeah. on, um, yeah, on, on our Luca Guadagnino episode in the past. Um, so, you know, I definitely enjoy his uh, his work. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this movie. I, I still have to go see it. But speaking, I do got to say, though, shout, shout out to Luca. His One of his early movies, the one starring Kate Blanchett, is on Mubi, which I did watch recently. And I'm, I'm shouting out Mubi because Mubi is also the place where I'm watching, where I watched uh, Decision to Leave. And that is like, yeah. to me, that's the new Criterion collection. Like to me, that has the best, like, no, we're not Criterion, but you know how Criterion had that like streaming service for a given minute? Criterion yeah, Channel. yeah. yeah. Criterion Channel. Yeah, I think um, Mubi is like the, that spot. Mubi has so many good movies on there. If y'all, y'all don't have Mubi, get, get on How Mubi. much is it? Um, I think it's $7.99 a month. That's um, not bad at all. That's not bad. I I'm on a set. I I was on a seven day free trial when I watched uh, Decision to Leave, but gotcha. I did pay for it because I was like, man, there's too many good picks on here. Before we get to our honorable mentions, it's kind of a fascinating conversation that I, I might be speaking for myself, but I think I saw half these movies on streaming or at home versus the other half in theaters, and it's so interesting to me on a personal level, at least for me, the the ones I enjoyed the most, at least I think, are the ones I have saw in theaters. I saw Decision to Leave in theaters. Um, I saw Woman King in theaters, everything in theaters. Uh, and then my top two I saw in theaters as well, including The Way of Water. But how are you guys feeling about this new generation or this new wave that we're currently living in where some of our favorite movies of the year or some of our more, most anticipated movies of the year are movies that we're watching on Netflix or on movie or on streaming. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, I think, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, well, like looking at my list, I actually did see almost all of these in theaters uh, with the exception of Cha-Cha Real Smooth. And that is actually the only one. Um, so I think that Ooh. actually tells a lot, honestly, wow. just because I have gone to the theater a bunch over the last year I really do go at least once a week most most of the time like twice maybe even three times um but to me when I'm watching a film at home and I know we've talked about this a lot but I don't feel like I have the same uh just the same attention span and it has nothing to do with you know, the fact that I'm home and I'm doing other stuff, I just don't think it hits the same. I think it's that atmosphere of being in, in a theater where you're like just completely locked in and you can lose yourself in a film because even like my number one, I love, and I'll get to it. I love it with all my heart. I think if I didn't see it in a theater, I don't know if I'd feel the exact same way about it. Yeah, that's that's probably true about my number one as well. Uh, RB3, how are you feeling about this streaming era? Yeah, I mean, you know, well, I'm, I'm pro streaming. I'm pro streaming everything. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think... I did see a lot of my top 10 in the theater as well. The only one that I didn't see in theaters were Intergalactic 
and RRR. Um, and also decision to leave as well. I didn't see decision yeah. to leave in theaters, but, and, um, but I think that to me, like the rest of them I saw in theaters, I enjoyed in theaters, but I also enjoy the fact that I was able to go home and watch glass onion, like two weeks after I saw it in theaters. I think that made me love it more. I think the fact that I saw Nope, you know, spoiler alert for maybe later in my list, um, that I saw Nope soon after it came out on Peacock that helped me out with like loving it too, as well. Like, you know, with, um, and so, yeah, I think like having the option, same thing with Barbarian coming out on HBO Max soon after, it really helped me get a, a more love and appreciation for a movie, seeing it in theaters, but also getting to re-love it and experience it at home um, helps. And then it's funny too, it's like speaking on like the difference of like attention span, like you're talking about Sabrina, like with Decision to Leave and RRR, like both foreign films, but like I had the complete opposite like thing where like decision to leave i really had to like sit down and focus and be like all right i have to concentrate like let me just do this whereas rr was like uh the first 10 minutes just kind of like sucks you in you're just like okay like i'm in for the ride like you're just you'll just chill back and like watch it easy but yeah with streaming it definitely makes that a little bit of a difference you know yeah i i obviously want to get to our our top two i i, I kind of feel like something has come upon me right now this is like me in church. Something has come upon me. <laughs> um, but RB3, I, I don't want to spoil it, man, but I kind of feel like we have the same top two. <laughs> really? I'm I mean... looking at my top two right now and I'm like, wait a minute, RB3 hasn't said these two. <laughs> and we both reviewed these two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I Should think we, we spoil have... it? I mean, we got to say our honorable um, mentions first. Let's do our yeah, honorable yeah. mentions. Honorable mentions. Uh, my honorable mention is the only honorable mention I have. Avatar The Way of Water, I forgot. Sorry. Uh, white Noise is weird and it's insane, mm. but I kind of enjoyed it. So shout out White Noise. That's my only honorable mention. <laughs> RB3. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we we might not have the same top two. You know what I really? mean? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think wrong. you might have said one of my top two like a little bit earlier. Okay. Um, but I mean, if we're if we're shouting out honorable mentions, honorable I'm mentions. A, I'm gonna shout out Bardo, um, on Netflix. Shout yeah. out to my um, I meant to pull up her name like before time, freak. But uh, shout out my my uh T. She used to be my TA at USC for one of my film classes. Her name cool. is Car Carla. Um, her name's Carla. Her first name's Carla. Well, I'll figure okay. out her full name, put it in the description. But she's the executive producer of Bardo, which is Ooh. so dope. We're literally, she's literally like 27 and she's like already wow. executive producing. Like, is she Mexican? Yeah, she is. Yeah, she's okay, from okay. Mexico. Yeah, she's from Mexico. Yeah. Like, she was, yeah. Um, Guillermo de Torrio's Pinocchio, shout out to that one as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, big shout out to that. I was like, um, yeah, uh, uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies on my honorable mentions. Um, the Fablemans. Fablemans, unfortunately, didn't make it. Um, the Batman, super, super close to making it. Yeah. Uh, that was right there at the top 10. Ambulance, Michael Bay back in top form. Um, the Well, Brendan Fraser, Darren Aronofsky. I already shouted out Kimmy, uh, Steven Soderbergh. And uh, yeah, those are my, those are my honorable mentions. That's a lot of honorable mentions. Uh, Sabrina. Yo, I have a lot too. I'm not even going to lie. And there's so many that I had to cut from the honorable mentions. I have The Menu, Marcel the Shell, The Batman, Babylon, Glass Onion, White Noise, Bodies, 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 Sonic the Hedgehog 2, of course, and Barbarian. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, shout out Sonic. Uh, we both had White Noise. Shout out to that. Um, yes. I know, RB3, you had thoughts on one of those movies that Sabrina named. Um, Which one? Was it Babylon? Babylon. Oh, oh yeah no nah, so yeah i can't i can't i can't yeah that's not that's not that was not for me 
All right, I'm going on on a limb, RB3. I'm going to say my top two just because I, I have faith in yeah. our, our Lord and Savior. Um, mm. He's going to catch me when I jump. My top two, yeah. and surprisingly enough, if I'm being real, and obviously for our listeners watching, y'all know me. I usually try to go against the grain and pick films that are kind of weird, kind of bizarre. I've picked anime films as my number one and two in the yeah. past. I've picked horror films, Hereditary, uh, Get Out have been my number ones in the past. Marriage Story was my number one, 2019, I think, 2018, whatever that was. I try to go against the grain. I swear, I tried. But I picked the two films that are kind of the biggest spectacle films of the year for me and are the ones that stuck with me the most. And I'm just being honest. And I know a lot of people didn't like this movie or these two movies. And I did. Uh, My number two is Wakanda Forever. My number Mm. one is Nope. Uh, Mm. These are the two. Is it my right? Are we three? Well, we have the same number one. We definitely have the oh, same number okay, one okay. for sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, so Nope is my number one movie of the year. Wakanda Forever, I guess, if you don't have it on your list. Uh, I love this movie. It's the it's the mm-hmm. only movie I went back and rewatched in theaters three times uh, this year. And I only do that for movies that kind of stuck with me and I have to see again. And it generated some sort of emotion, a part of me. I took my mom to see this movie, which is very rare. I usually don't take my mom to see anything unless it's Star Wars. Uh, That's how much I enjoyed the film. That's how much it stuck with me, the themes, the messages. I liked it better than the first Black Panther, even though I really love the first one. And I really do feel like it's classic. But I really love this movie. And that is why it's my number two. I guess it's not your number two, RB3. What's your number two? Um, well, I mean, my number two, uh, my number two personally is everything everywhere all at once. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. We I mean, you mentioned it. It. yeah, we mentioned it. You mentioned it earlier in the list. Uh, yeah. to me, yeah, that, that to me is uh, one of the best movies uh, I've seen in a long time. The Daniels have been like slowly building to this point since Swiss Army Man, which is another film that made my 20, 2016 best of the year list. Um, but in the in a year, in a year, and in a world where we have so many multiverse reality jumping superhero movies. Somehow yeah. the Russo brothers and the Daniels and A24 teamed up to make the best one, right? Like, how is it? Isn't it weird that the Russo brothers like really produced this movie too? So it kind of they're like, gonna get the Oscar if they win Best Picture. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's it's weird. It's, it's like so weird, weird that the Avengers Endgame guys like this, Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. And but the but it's it's the it's the art of producing, but also the art of the direction with the Daniels having a very precise vision with telling every single universe and every single storyline, having a distinct message, a distinct theme, every performance, every edit was meaningful, purposeful, and precise. And in my opinion, this made like, you know, dang near a perfect movie. Um, and I think that's the reason why it's such a huge box office and commercial success. It's the highest grossing A24 movie. And it's one of the highest rated first cut videos as well. Sabrina. Hey. Your number two. My number two is also everything everywhere all at once. Uh, For literally every single thing RB3 said, I think you said that so eloquently. Um, With that, it is really interesting how the Daniels are able to take something that is so heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, like funny, all of these things together and like just make it as unique as it is. I feel like there's never been a film like this and there never will be ever again. This is something that is genuinely lightning in a bottle. I also think it's near perfect. It does not take itself so seriously, even though it is dealing with all these heavy themes, of course, being like, you know, first generation American or like anything like that, like, you know, queer issues, 
all of this kind of stuff and how it is dealt with, especially in a situation like that. Um, it's honestly like, you know, we're like the A24 Avengers and A24 came out absolutely swinging this year. I mean, I think I have like three on my list, um, but I think this is one of A24's best years yet, honestly. And this, when I look back at like 2022, even more so than my number one, um, this is going to be the film that divine, defined that year. Yeah, it's so interesting how this movie just blew up out of nowhere. I remember film Twitter jumping on this movie uh, right when it was coming out and just going nuts for it. And then obviously we saw it and we reviewed it once we got the chance to. And it elevated itself so much to the point of like it might win Best Picture. Uh, we don't know. Yeah. But the time you're watching it, maybe it already has. Uh, but it has been that kind of elevated art form. It's interesting because... I don't want to overlook where I feel like a lot of people who enjoy this movie are kind of like film bros and shout out to the film bros out there. I love y'all, but I still feel like at the heart of this movie, it's still about immigration. It's still about cultural identity. It's still about themes that I really felt in this movie as I was watching it, as far as cultural identity being passed down from generation to generation, including that pressure of cultural identity being passed down in tradition. So I feel like that Chinese Asian aspect of it is so special and so unique, obviously with the martial arts, but also with the themes that are playing throughout first generation immigration, uh, your children being uh, accepting this responsibility of taking on your traditions, but at the same time, trying to adapt within their own uh, with the American identity as well. So beautiful film, shout out to them. If they win the Oscar, <laughs> the Roosters raising their Oscar. <laughs> Thank you, Thanos. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I guess that takes me to my number one. My number one film of the year is Nope. It's the movie that really just impacted me the most. It, it shook me to my core as I watched it in theaters. I remember I watched this on opening night in my seat, just freaking the F out because that's how visceral it was. It's probably the most visceral movie I've ever seen because of the way that Jordan Peele builds up the terror within the movie. And then at the same time, builds up the characters within the movie that you don't want to experience that same terror, right? Where throughout the film, you meet Jean Jacket and the last thing you want is Kiki Palmer's character or OJ's character, which is Daniel Kaluuya, to be to die in that horrific kind of manner. But the way they're able to balance the ideas of film, of spectacle, of belief, of the unbelievable, of being represented in your culture, if that makes sense, where the idea that these two uh, brother and sisters who are from the family that created the first movies and don't get that recognition and still have to struggle to get their horses out there and to get their career out there are the same ones who are bringing in a new generation of uh, extraterrestrial light form uh, inside a visual representation. That's another way to view cinema, to view film. It goes hand in hand with uh, the unbelievable and with the advanced or the technological technologically superior so those the, the identity of reclaiming your power within these stories and within 
this world that we live in when it comes to art and when it comes to media is something that was so powerful to me. That's why it's my number one. RB3. I mean, yeah, you know, just like, uh, just like you said, everything there is, you know, it's also my number one of the year too. Uh, nope. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you touched on it like pretty, you know, pretty perfectly, you know what I mean? Uh, with the media interpretations and uh, how Jordan Pill really, Took a time, took time to shine a, a mirror, to put a mirror to to Hollywood, and uh, give it like that reflection of what spectacle actually means, what being popular, actually being popping actually means, um, what uh, you know. There's like been so many like self-referential movies this year, like The Fablemans, um, Bardo, Babylon. I mean, the list is endless. Chippendale, but the this movie uh, directly addresses the spectacle in the more most creative ways than I feel like any of these other movies, right? The fact that the alien, when he starts to unravel himself, he takes the shape of like the old timey camera. The fact that we have a Gordy, the, the, the human, the, the animal who's like a reflection of, of animal exploitation of, of, you know, of basically human exploitation with the film industry is all about. And the point that that drives a lot of people crazy child actors, um, the cinematographer, how he's always chasing that last perfect shot, the golden hour, like all these themes are just so perfectly integrated into um, a sci-fi horror movie that also just has the most likable characters. Like he touched on it before. Um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's OJ, like you really just want to see do win the entire time because he's just a silent, pure silent, pure intentions. All he cares about is the legacy of his family, the legacy of his farm, the legacy of his horses. Um, Kiki Palmer is like insanely charismatic. She's always been that girl. But this movie truly let her shine as well. Um, you know, again, I've been a big fan of Kiki Palmer since True Jackson VP, but that's just me. That's right. Um, Akila and the B. Akila and the B all, all the way back, all the way back. Um, you know, our, our friend of the show, Brendan Perea, uh, he made Fry's Electronics cool again. So, uh, you know, we gotta, <laughs> gotta shout that out too. Um, and it's also just, again, another like self-reflection of the, of the, of the Instagram popping thing. Like how many times have, you know, uh, you know, how many times have people gone to like Fry's or Best Buy trying to get like that, that, that equipment, trying to chase that Oprah shot or even in their personal lives to get like, filming or you know selfie equipment so it's just it works on so many levels i talk about extensively on this we talk about extensively on this channel i was on the ron tomatoes podcast with um nikki um and when we uh, we 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 broke down a lot uh more of the themes is there as well also the fact that universal put a big campaign behind this and like invited uh you know me and dorian to a lot of those uh events like at universal and like actually got to take a tour of the thing that they built at um, Universal Jupiter's, Studios. Jupiter's claim. Jupiter's claim. Yeah, yeah, Jupiter's claim. Yeah, that the fact that that's still there too is just dope. Is, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I love yeah. it, man. Shout out, Nope, man. Jordan Peele is just um, to me personally, like you know, everybody says Get Out's their favorite. To me personally, this might be my favorite uh, wow. Jordan Peele movie. Interesting. Uh, did we share? Did we share Get Out as number one when that came out? Uh, or did you have another number one? I think I might have had number one. I think I might have had another number one that year. Oh, I think okay. I might have had another. So I was gonna. It was, I think it was like number two for me and then it was like number one for you. Okay. Okay. Cause get yeah. out was my number one that year. And then we shared a number one, Sabrina, with marriage story. I remember that. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. Um, so now we share a number one, RB3. Yeah, we share number one. Me and Sabrina <laughs> share number two. So I'm curious. There you what go. Sabrina's we share number, number two. Is. What is your number yeah. one, Sabrina? <laughs> well, I, I even just like on nope, because I know I had nope much lower on my list uh of number seven. And honestly, I feel like 
it's just any given day, it continues to climb higher and higher. Every single rewatch, I love it more and more uh, from the first moment it finished. Like what a fantastic ensemble of actors and characters that Jordan Peele crafted for this story. Every single person just adds so much. Um, even just talking about the idea of like the ensembles from this year, everything, everywhere, all at once, nope. And like Banshees and a bunch of countless other films, just absolutely incredible. So I stand by y'all have a nope at one because I agree. But my number one is After Sun, directed by Charlotte Wells, uh, another A24 movie. So actually I have like four A24 movies on this list. Um, but After Sun is directed by Charlotte, like I mentioned. Um, this is their directorial debut. And what a way to just start your film career. Um, starring Paul Mescal, of course. And this is his first feature film as a lead. And of course, nominated for an Oscar just recently. So to have him get like nominated for an Emmy with Normal People, which was his first show, and then first film Oscar for this, uh, just absolutely insane. Um, but I think with this one in particular, honestly, I get like choked up thinking about it. I keep coming across uh, a few scenes on Twitter just throughout the day. And there have been countless times where I've literally cried just from watching a two minute scene with absolutely no dialogue, just under pressure playing in the background. And I feel like that scene is cemented as my favorite thing that I've seen over the last five plus years, maybe. And I don't know how another film is going to top this, honestly. Because with this film, Charlotte is diving into kind of the idea of nostalgia and taking it apart um, through like adolescent eyes of like a young woman. We get to see this vacation she takes with her dad. And I knew nothing going into this film. And I really don't want to spoil too much at all. Um, and for most of the runtime, we think it's just that. It's a sweet vacation. We are learning so much about these characters just through their interaction. We are feeling their love. It is so palpable through the screen. But then slowly, once you hit a certain point in the film, it really shifts. And then the undertone turns to like grief, anger, looking back and wondering what went wrong and what could have been done to possibly fix it. And also that idea of having your children be an extension of yourself that you leave on this earth. So I know we've talked about that quite a bit, especially, you know, with something like Banshees or when anybody talks about the idea of art and the idea of humans impact on the world. I think this film is a good example of that because even if, you know, I've heard my friends like who have kids say like, if I haven't done anything right in this world, like I know this is the one thing that I did for myself is like raising this person. And it is so weird to think about like, um, like a young father, especially with myself. My mom was 19 when she had me. My dad was like 20. So both of them kind of grew up with me. And so that's why the interactions between Paul Mescal and his daughter in the film, Frankie, I believe her name is, uh, the actress, it really just resonates with me on that level. Um, like I said, that under pressure scene, I can't even think about it right now because it gets me so emotional. Um, but this is a film that has literally haunted me since the second I saw it in a theater. I think I saw it like four months ago and I cannot wait to rewatch it. I'm waiting for it to come on movie. I know it like hit in the UK, but um, yeah, this is probably the thing I will recommend to every single person if they want to just take a minute to cry and just reflect. It's funny because this is the movie that I was, I was going to watch like one more movie right before I made my list. And this was the <laughs> one movie that I was like, I'm going to watch this one before I make my list. And I 
didn't. No. <laughs> uh, but now I will. Obviously, I was going to watch it anyways, but it was one of those things where like it was on a time crunch. But I really wanted to see this one because it's the one that sounded the most interesting to me over all the other ones that were recommended to me, like Banshees, for example. I was like, ah, I could wait on Banshees. Uh, but this one is one that I definitely want to check out. So now that you mentioned it as your number one, that's awesome. I'm definitely uh, definitely curious to check it out. Yeah, whenever Sabrina sneaks in here with these like number one picks that nobody's heard of, it's always uh, it's always a treasure. You know what I mean? It's always a treasure because I definitely went to because I definitely picked. I definitely watched the worst person on earth, which was also on my honorable mention for this year. Oh, that's right. So I, that yes. that would have that would have also been in my top ten list of this year. But I didn't know what a, I didn't know if to categorize it as a 2022 movie, a 2021 movie. You know what I mean? Because I saw it in 2022, but then it came out 2021, won the Oscars. I don't know, but. I'm saying all that to say you usually pick like when there's one that I haven't heard of, or I haven't seen. I, I mean, I've heard of this movie, but I haven't seen it. But when it's one of those, it's, it's usually uh, some super fire. So, yeah, I, I like our lists. I think they're different enough that we can have some variety in it. Uh, and I think they're similar enough to where we can feel encouraged by each other that we have the yeah. same taste. <laughs> yeah, but, so excellent also, taste. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also so cool to honestly see something like Avatar or even Wakanda be so high on your list, Andre. Yeah, so like- I, I, yeah, I was going to mention that because I, I, I feel like I had put it so freaking high that a lot of people are kind of side eyeing me right now. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really care though because I feel like I'm, I'm just being real to myself, and I feel like that story I saw, the way they handled Chadwick Boseman's death, the direction of Ryan Coogler, um, Letitia Wright's performance, uh, Tenoch Huerta's performance, the identity involved within the. Uh, Tulucan uh, people is just it was it just hit different it just everything felt like this I'm watching Spider-Man 2 right that's what it felt like and a lot of people like look back at it now and they're like damn Spider-Man 2 might be the best superhero movie ever I felt like I was kind of in the theater watching it right where I didn't have I felt like that same way where I'm watching a movie that kind of goes beyond the genre of superhero film so Mm. I love Wakanda forever I feel that. I mean, I, I, I love it too. It was also my, like top of my honorable mentions. I I don't know if I felt like <clears throat> in good conscience to put Nope, Avatar and, um, what was the <laughs> other one I put on here? It's just, it was like, yo, I put like all the, I put, oh yeah. I all put the big nope and the woman King. I'm like, yo, I literally put like, I put the woman King avatar and it all and nope it would have been too much. Like, yeah, it would have been too much of like the big, it would have been too many big movies. And also like, yeah, I don't know. I, I love them all. Like, it's just like, I wanted to represent, I also wanted to just shout, show up, show love to, uh, you know, other movies I love too, like the uh, decision to leave and stuff. So yeah, I just had to make a choice of like, I love Wakanda and I want to put it on the list, but I just needed to make room for at least like one of the two other movies. I'm the same exact way. I'm always like, I'd rather put the small indie movie up higher and then put some other ones on there and maybe not even include it. Um, but this this year, I was like, I didn't see a lot of movies, and I just want to be honest with myself. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Instead of trying to force like some movie I checked out on some streaming service and put it super high because a lot of people haven't seen it. So I mean, it really <laughs> is true because like my top three with After Sun, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, and Bones and All are like cemented. But the other ones, honestly, it really just depends on the day to see like what I would prefer over the other. I think any given day, nope, could easily be my number four. Um, But when we started all of this, Andres, you said this is an interesting year for film. I want to kind of toss it over to RB3 just because I want to get that scope. I know you do see a lot, a lot of movies, RB3. Mm -hmm. Overall, how was this year in film for you? 
I mean, I, I liked I liked this year of movies. I mean, I, I had a I had a lot of time. I could even I even had like more honorable mentions that I could have went on with because I just found a lot of joy in some of these movies. I mean, there are some movies that the Oscar movies I don't like at all. Like none of the Oscar movies like I don't <laughs> like. So except for honestly, everything everywhere and Avatar, those are only two and Fablemans. But beyond that, I don't really like any of the other Oscar movies. Um, but I will say though, it's funny. I saw today a TikTok of somebody doing like a little tenant parody. Uh, somebody doing like a little tenant, like, like I guess a like a little flip or something on TikTok. And I thought, yo, there. I love this year in movies, but there definitely wasn't like a tenant. Like there definitely wasn't like a mind blowing, like something super trippy, like something to really like get me like spooling over like the like. Everything Everywhere and Nope were like definitely the closest to that in terms say. of like, but I mean, they're not confusing. They're like, both you don't need better to like, than Tenet. They're, they're better than Tenet, yeah, but there's nothing like confusing <laughs> or like nothing that like really breaks my mind. You know, mind bending. I think mind bending is the word. Like, I think there's nothing like actually um, something that I kind of have to like work out a math equation. Whereas I think in other years, like there, there might've been, you know, maybe one or two movies like that that I, I personally love and I personally would have shouted out, but I love this year of movies personally. I thought there was, I thought it was great, great movies. I, I, I didn't, I, 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 all my top 10 list was like, I felt very happy about it. And I, I was gonna, if I could have did a top 15, I would have did a top 15 and felt like strongly about those too. Same. That's why I liked when you use the word interesting, Andres, because I think our lists kind of show that too. There's such diversity in terms of genre, uh, filmmakers, a lot of new filmmakers, interesting filmmakers on these lists. Then again, what you would kind of see reflective in like the best picture lineup for the Oscars, because even something like, again, Babylon, Fablemans, something like that. Those are so low on my list, especially something like the Fablemans that I think like something like Cha-Cha Real Smooth or After Sun stands out. And then you guys mentioning Decision to Leave. It's just really cool to hear that variety. Yeah, yeah. It's, really, it's really interesting when I look at my list and I think about foreign films, right? We're watching Decision to Leave in theaters and then watching Arge uh, Argentina 1985, watching yeah. those two movies specifically because they're live action. But the way that filmmaking is is taken so seriously. Also, you mentioned Bardo Arby 3. I know that's another good example of interesting filmmaking that's that's foreign right where decision to leave oh. damn homie puts his everything into that movie those cross cuts yeah. those edits yeah. those it's transitions like oh my yeah. god i was like damn like homies in america mm. do not give it that much <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah compared to these korean homies who are really like pushing the envelope and really doing some interesting things and that's why i always put anime films in my list um I mean, I know I'll never get you guys into it, but one of these days, you guys. I like Bell. I watched. I watched. Did Bell. you watch Bell? Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. It was great. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say that you could watch Bell on HBO Max and check it out. Uh, that's a great example of what my number one was last year. But either way, you could check out um, this one that I named uh, Inu Oh, uh, as well RB three if you like anime and animation because I do feel like we should give credit to quality films regardless of the medium, regardless of whatever it is uh like Guillermo del Toro said you know animation is cinema and just I will always put anime films in the same breath as I put decision to leave or nope or Wakanda forever that's just me I'm always going to do that but let's go 10 through one for a list I don't know if this is the one you want to break off RB3 I don't know yeah. you want it to do like a little break off there yeah let's yeah let's do yeah let's do that so let's pretend we're doing a, a break off thing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but to finally close out the episode, 
Uh, my top 10 films of 2022 at number 10, I have intergalactic at number nine. I have Emily, the criminal at number eight. I have glass onion at number seven. I have the woman King at number six. I have decision to leave at number five. I have everything everywhere all at once. At number four, I have Argentina 1985 at number three. I have in at number two, I have Wakanda forever. And at number one, I have Nope. Yeah, for my, my top, my top 10, uh, for number 10, I got Intergalactic. Uh, number nine, I got Decision to Leave. Uh, number eight, I got The Woman King. Number seven, I got Breaking. Number six, I got Barbarian. Number five, I got Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Number four, I got RRR. Number three, I got Avatar The Way of Water. Number two, I got Everything Everywhere All at Once. And number one, I got Nope. Hell yeah. My top 10, at number 10, I have Wakanda Forever, number nine, X, eight, Tar, seven, Nope, six, Pearl, five, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, four, The Banshees of Inisharan, three, Bones and All, two, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and number one is After Sun. Awesome. Oh. Thank you guys so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for watching or listening to this episode. We appreciate you guys as well. You can check me out at Squad Leader Ace and check us out at First Cut TMO. RB3, where can everyone find you? They follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Director RB3 and stream uh, timestamp on our First Cut. <laughs> stream timestamp on Amazon Prime video. Sabrina. You can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at Sabrina on Film and Instagram at Sabrina X Monica. And then obviously, I forgot to mention our TikTok. Checks out on TikTok at First Cut TMO as well. But either way, guys, uh, let us know in the comments down below what is your top 10 films. I want to see your list. Put them in the comments. I don't care. If it takes up a lot of space, I will go through each and every one of them and check it out because we do appreciate you guys. Uh, like and subscribe if you appreciated this conversation and this content. So either way, guys, for the first cut crew, we're going to be peacing out. So peace.